Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Former Rams and Titans head coach Jeff Fisher will be in studio with us in 15 minutes. Looking forward to uh, having him in for discussion on many topics, including the new hires across the NFL, the finalists in Arizona, and what's going to happen in Indy. I'm not sure Jeff can tell us all of that with Ursay, but we'll give our opinion on it. Also looking forward to just chatting about uh, the future for him, which is not going to include the USFL and... Chad, you and I, we watched the 30 for 30 on the Baltimore Ravens, and his Titans teams were a big I, part of discussion and all of that with I, the rivalry. I could not stop thinking about uh, Coach Fisher and our talk mm-hmm. with him today watching this because the era that this documentary encapsulates was so fantastic. Yeah, I miss it. And those Ravens-Titans games and that entire AFC Central at the time just great when you watch some of this. What is now old footage doesn't feel that old to me. I remember the games well, but you know now we're looking back 23 years ago with this 2000 season, but it's really well done, that 30 for 30. We lead off the hour, though, with Dan Dockich. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. Mornings across the Outkick Network, and he joins us each Monday on Outkick 360. Dan, good to see you, man. Oh, my God, am I doing good? I'm wearing red. The Hoosiers got to win. The Colts are still looking for a coach, but I don't care. Purdue, the natural order of things in the state of Indiana is back as Purdue got their brains beat out in Assembly Hall. And the women went into Mackey Arena and beat them, so life is good. What, what, so what did you learn about your Hoosiers facing off against the top-ranked team and taking them down by five? Nothing that we didn't already know. They're a bit of a front-running team. They're good at home. We'll see if they can stack wins. I I really learned a lot about Purdue, frankly. Going in, I've been there, well, I was there 17 years, so that's 17 home games with Purdue, 17 crazy fans. There are some nights in Assembly Hall the opposing team isn't going to win, and most nights the opposing team cracks and goes away. I actually learned more about Purdue. I I came away really impressed. Assembly Hall was insane. Uh, Purdue down, Indiana playing out of their mind, but Purdue had a real chance to win the game, and that's a testament to them. Indiana's good, but Indiana, uh, we'll see. Can they come back and beat Rutgers? You know, it's tough. College basketball's tough. You saw a bad no-call in the Auburn-Tennessee game. Tennessee and Auburn grinding it out. Uh, A lot of even teams, but I think Purdue's pretty good. I'm going to ask you about that. You said it's a bad no-call. The same player got hit with with a technical for flopping extending the arms out on a shot and putting his legs around a defender earlier. Um, I think he gets that call if that doesn't happen. He had gotten warned about it once. He got the call one other time in the game. Uh, I thought Kamwa on the play did a good job of staying straight up, but certainly an argument could be made that he was underneath his landing space. But what do you think about that when officials see someone trying to milk something for a call? Do they then go back and you're less likely to get it later in the game? Yeah, you'd like to think that that wouldn't come into play, right? You'd like to think that, all right, this happened, we called it. Now this is going to happen, we called it. Now that's going to happen, we called it. You know, it's the same thing with the age-old argument of, hey, look, 
you don't make that call at the end of the game. Officials will tell you, I got to make the same call at the end of the game that I make earlier. I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I I just think officials are human. I mean, human nature says, look, with this particular guy, I'm looking for the flop. But, you know, one of the things, the reason I said it was a bad call was because every year there are points of emphasis for officials. And one of the points of emphasis this year and last year was coming down in somebody's shooting space because of ankles, ankle injury, guys stepping underneath. Players actually started doing that kind of stuff on purpose to injure other players. You know, I thought the pressure was pretty good, but you got to let a guy come down if you're going to use that as a point of emphasis. Um, But I get what you're saying. Look, There is no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that you don't want officials to be human. You want them to call this this way, but they are, and those things factor in. Totally agree with you. What did you make of Jim Beheim's comments about Pittsburgh (laughs) and Wake Forest and Miami buying guys and his top booster, he won't pay anyone on his team? Uh, give Give us the Dan Dockage Indiana basketball school of thought on on things like this when they're said? Well, the Indiana basketball school of thought with Bob Knight was everybody else is cheating. I mean, we didn't get a recruit while they're cheating. You know, that's that's the Indiana Bob Knight school. I I swear to God, it it is. One of you guys. He sounds like he played for Bob Knight when he starts saying these things in a press conference. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Jim Beheim fan, and I sent him a text. I said, I don't know if you're right or wrong, but I love it. I didn't hear back from him. Usually I hear back <laughs> from him. Uh, the truth of the matter is there were always rumors about why Billy Owens end up at Syracuse? Why Derek Coleman? Why those guys from Detroit? I know Dave Bing played at Syracuse. There were always rumors about, hey, man, what's going on when they play at the Garden? I will tell you this, Brevin Knight, the assistant, who is a great player at Pittsburgh and his assistant now at Rutgers, basically said, hey, Coach Bayheim, we know what was going on before NIL. Don't throw stones in a glass house. I don't know. Everybody always asks me, well, who did you know was cheating? The only team that I knew was cheating was West Virginia when I went there to be the head coach and I had players, I had coaches, I had everybody giving me firsthand information. But I love the fact that Bayheim said it. I don't like the fact that he backed off of it. Hey, look, you can do that now. When you lose, ah, oh, hell, they bought a team. That was the Bob Knight when we lost a recruit. What? He's going to Michigan? Ah, they paid him. What? He's going to wherever? Ah, you know they were doing things. So, lose a game, blame cheating. I'm all in on it. Good for Bayheim. He's 78. What does he care? Well, good, good for Bayheim saying it. I'm not surprised that we hear a coach uh, say it. It's who he named with Pitt and Miami and Wake Forest. Yeah. That- that's why I, I, I was like, not exactly what, murderer's row. What is this? <laughs> he's talking about? Uh, I was more surprised well, Dan, well, about here, the, well, the teams oh, involved. Well, Miami had been involved. In fact, Jim Laranega, well, his, his program was brought up in the Southern District of New York investigation a few years ago. And I swear to God, I saw Laranega in the summer and he looked like death. You could tell he was sweating everything out. So their program had been mentioned going backwards. Now, uh, who did Bayheim lose to? Well, you got to look. He lost a wake. He lost. So then you're going to make those accusations. I think it's all silly. I think right now, uh, in the public eye in college basketball, people roll their eyes and they say, "Well, you know what? I've had people tell me this today. Well, you know what, Jim? Your big booster should get involved." And oh, by the way, 
he just got a big-time recruit uh, that, that signed up, and guess what? That recruit was sitting, sitting with one of Bayheim's biggest boosters, <laughs> front row at the Garden, hanging with some boosters about a week ago. So, you know what? I love Bayheim. I love that he did it. Hate that he apologized for it. But that's the modern world in college basketball. And I honestly don't think anybody really cares. What's going to happen with the Colts? What, what, what's, what, what's going on with Jim Irsay? They had eight weeks before anybody else. Uh, maybe Carolina did too. They had eight weeks. They had eight weeks. You know what? They had a head start. They, 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 they got rid of uh, what's-his-face Reich a month before the season end or more. Eight weeks. I don't know. And I, anybody that tells you they do know, they are lying to you. They are. I saw today where all of a sudden Wink Martindale or whatever that guy's name is is now yep. the guy that's supposed to come in here and be the head. I saw his his odds in Vegas went to minus seven hundred. I will tell you this: Would it surprise me if Jimmy Ursay hired a defensive guy? No, it would not. What I think Jimmy Ursay wants to do is hire Jeff Saturday. I think he's in love with the era of Jeff Saturday, Reggie Miller, Peyton Manning, and all that. I think he's getting a ton of pushback from a number of areas. One, within his own building from Ballard. Two, fans are like, hey, look, what are you doing? The guy had an audition. He went one for seven. Like, it wasn't even a good one for seven. It was a crap one for seven. So I would argue that Vegas always knows Martindale jumping up like he did today tells me something. But I will tell you this. If anybody in the media or anybody anywhere gives a definitive this is what they're doing. They are not telling the truth. I got two guys that tell me everything, and frankly, they have been right, honest to God, every time. I've been called a jerk, an idiot, all this stuff because of what they've told me, and it's turned out to be right. They tell me they got no idea. Would it surprise me if Jim Irsay fell in love with me, Wink Martindale? No, it wouldn't surprise me. Hell, talk to a guy, Jim Irsay, you know... Would it surprise me if he hired Saturday? No, but they've had plenty of time. And this is not, I don't care what you believe, the Indianapolis media is covering for Chris Ballard. This has been an unorganized mess. Peyton, Sean Payton didn't want to interview. Uh, D'Amico Ryan said, no, nah, we're good. They had no idea. This is not a real attractive thing right now. So maybe Martindale's the guy. Maybe it works out well. Dan, the other unusual part of this is you mentioned the, the length of how much time has, has passed since Wright was out. Um, they're not allowing Gus Bradley to interview for a lateral move elsewhere. Well, he's under contract as the defensive coordinator in Indy, but normally if you're changing head coaches and your staff wants out, um, now, I mean, it's past time for teams to put staffs together for the most part. And, you know, what, it, this is another sign that they're staying with the status quo, isn't it? It kind of is. They have screwed guys before. They've screwed a guy named Ron Prince, who was the head coach at Kansas State. They screwed him big time. Pagano did, uh, actually, in a situation just like this. So, look, whether status quo is we're going to hire, you know, Martindale, we're going to have a defensive coordinator that he knows, or whether status quo is, hey, our defense was okay, we're going to have an established head coach with Jeff Saturday. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Jimmy Ursay has played this close to the vest. I'm assuming, and this is the way the Colts operate, I, I assume at some point fairly soon, maybe within the next week or two, you're going to see, maybe sooner than that actually, you're going to see Chris Mortensen 
uh, old Mort's going to have some kind of tweak because that's Jimmy Ursay's go-to guy when he wants stuff leaked. So I assume you're going to see old Mort come out with something. Has John Morant or anyone in his entourage pointed a laser or anything at you? I know he's been pointing at the Indiana Pacers. I didn't know if it was just anyone from Indiana. Uh, well, what do you make of that crazy Man. story? I make that there's a father that can't handle his son's success. So many times we talk about, hey, look, a kid can't handle success. Hey, this idiot dad and the idiot brother, you know, Morant's saying, well, they checked it out, nothing's happening, except that his brother has been banned from home games. Do you know how hard it is to be banned from home games, number one? Number two, how hard it is when your brother is the face of, of that city and one of the faces of the NBA. My guys in Indy tell me it absolutely happened. Now, whatever the NBA wants to do with it, I know the security people there, and they are great dudes. They do not lie. And one of them said, yeah, it was like, I think in the article, he said, yeah, it was definitely a gun. These guys know guns. These guys know this. So the NBA, being with the NBA, the most woke of all leagues, will brush it aside. Morant came out with a typically idiotic statement. His dad acts like a fool. His brother's been banned. John Morant's great and by all accounts a fantastic kid, but his people are complete dummies and he's got to separate himself or something really bad is going to happen. Imagine this. Imagine you're in a car. You're in your own arena. And all of a sudden, one of your idiot friends points a gun, or at least a laser, and John Moran's like the softest dude ever. Like, he's as un-gangster, or whatever you want to call it, ever. But here he is trying to be something he isn't. He got to get rid of his own family members, and that ain't easy to do. Would you ever have to tell a player that as a coach? Uh, I told a player he had to get rid of the hottest girl on campus once because I heard she was selling weed. I'm like, dude, you got to get rid of her or you got to go home because she sell, she's selling weed. I know she's selling weed. And uh, you're going to get caught being in her apartment. Right, to the kid's credit, he did it. Good for him. And then he transferred. But what are you going to do? It's not normally the hot girl that's a drug dealer on campus. Yeah, too. Very, so that's unusual. Very, very unusual, whatever's going on on that campus. I, I, there's two things about really hot girls. They're never the ones screaming at their kids at the supermarket. And they're never the ones selling weed. And I'm telling you, I, I told this kid, I go, this is very odd to me. Like, this girl is the one selling the weed. Like, no, but she was. And actually, she admitted it. I got to know her. I guess she admitted it years later. She goes, how'd you know? And I said, I can't tell them. I, you know, I can't, I can't give my sources. You can't bury your sources ever. Hey, it's going to be a, a, Never. a really fun week across the network for us, Dan. We're, we're headed out to Arizona tomorrow. I know you're going to have coverage uh, from Radio Row as well with our setup. It's going to be a blast, and uh, here's hoping we get a, a really good game on Sunday. Yeah, we got, we got Will Kane on tomorrow, which is perfect because Kyrie Irving comes to Dallas, and Will Kane <laughs> from Fox News is like Mr. Dallas. Then we got Anthony Munoz on. True story. I used to wear his clothes. I used to wear Munoz wear. When I was the head coach at Bowling Green, swear to God, they sold it at Target. It was incredibly comfortable clothes, or Kmart. I think it was Kmart. I swear to God. My, my, my friends used to go, my friends would go, are you wearing Munoz wear? I go, yeah, I love Munoz wear. So I can't wait till tomorrow. It's going to be fun. What's the old uh, market, uh, Chad? Roses or something like that? That's where, that's where Dan that's was. That's amazing. <laughs> the Kmart reference that they're now completely gone, too. Yeah. Hey, well, look forward to I it, did. Dan. Keep up the great work. We'll chat soon. 
All right, guys, travel safe. Thanks. Yeah, man, See you guys. Don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Outkick Network. Coming up, Jeff Fisher joins us in studio here at 6th and Peabody. A lot to discuss across the NFL and more. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location for Outkick 360 with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow with you, joined in studio here on site by Jeff Fisher, former Titans and Rams head coach, former Michigan Panthers head coach of the USFL as well, announced uh, late last week that he will not return for season two of the USFL. Coach, good to see you in studio with us, man. Thanks for having me. This is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys back. call this home. Welcome this back. This is good. I like it. Uh, Chad, your thoughts on, on Fish's uh, debut as a co-host whenever you were out in Nebraska? It was uh, almost too good. Uh, I watched and I was like, "Damn, we don't need him to be too good out there when I'm gone." And he was uh, he was that good, so that was that was my impression. Nice digs around here, though, right, Coach? They are. I remember. I, Chad, did, did you, would you agree with what I just said? You know, I just kept giving to you the thumbs up while you were gone. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. I yeah. was like, I was I was watching for Nebraska, thinking that's yeah. right. That's it. You, you keep doing that right there. Whatever you're doing was working too much. You did a great job, but we knew you would. Well, it's it's Hutton. He brings the best out in everybody. He's an excellent excellent point guard. He's an excellent point guard. Great distributor of the basketball. I know know you really enjoyed last season with the USFL. Why did you decide to to not return this year? You know, I appreciate appreciate you asking. You know, it was was a blast uh, getting in on the ground floor, uh, helping everybody. You know, my new friends at Fox, uh, you know, and um, and then all the coaches and work with Mike Prayer and officials and the players. I really had a blast and um, I was really happy to see the way it took off. I was a little disappointed in my record things, but I can explain that later date. But anyway, um, I'm convinced that they're, they're off to a great start. They're going to see year two. And I felt like I was just better off uh, stepping out uh, when I did. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to help, try to stay on, try to help them uh, however I can. I'm going to be two hours from, you know, both hubs or two of the hubs, you know, in, you know, Memphis and Birmingham. And then, you know, 
just a quick flight away, you know, from, uh, you know, the Canton and the Michigan hubs, just so, you know, if they need my help, I'm going to help them. But it was time, you know, as I mentioned in my statement with Fox, it's just, uh, I got five grandbabies and uh, I've been doing this a long, long time. And um, I just wanted to have, you know, the freedom to do what I wanted to in the spring. And, and in addition to that, I'm I'm kind of messing around with maybe launching my um, like this kind of radio like yeah. thing career. That so maybe on the horizon. I'm hoping that is, but um, I I really enjoyed it. I, I you know I'm gonna miss the coaches, miss the players, and I think as I mentioned to you, somebody asked me after two or three weeks, and we were struggling, and all kinds of things were going on. Players were getting hit by drones in the huddle, and you know the. <laughs> <laughs> the coach, the coach, the quarterback system's going off, and we can't practice. And you know, it was just they said, knowing what you know now, would you do it all over again? And I said, why don't you ask me? You know, when the season's over, and then ask me again in, in July. And so, season was over. Um, I had um, at that point, I, I had two or three coaches that got into the league as um, you know, minority internship type uh, yep. program, and then. You know, we had in week 17 last year, I had two of our players on active rosters. And that's really why I did it. I, want, I was in it to help young coaches, to give them advice, and then as well as to help the young players. Well, mission accomplished on, on both ends there. Very cool. Um, Sean Payton's back in after a year off, head coach yeah, for the Denver Broncos. Um, what do you think about the, the year off, get, jumping back into it, and now it's Payton and Russell Wilson together and they're locked into it based on investment with three first-round picks, three second-round picks, and more that they've invested in those two guys. Well, I'm not putting Russell in the same class as Drew, but Russell can win games. <laughs> I tossed and turned so many nights over Russell, you know, when we had those matchups and with the Rams and the Seahawks. But um, I think it's a great, uh, it's a great combination. I think Sean's going to do really well with him. I'd like to see Russell maybe shed a few pounds. This is just me personally. I thought maybe he got, uh, maybe there were injuries or whatever, but he just didn't look as fit to me as as he was in years past. If he does that and he's mobile, uh, I think it's a great matchup. Now. You understand there's new ownership there. Um, so yeah. um, the a, a new owner um, is is probably better suited being paired with somebody with Sean's experience so that he can explain to him why this happened, when this happened, and what the thinking is and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a great matchup. Denver's got a great fan base. It's unfortunate that what happened, the decisions that they made last year and, and what happened to them. But uh, if anybody's going to pull them, pull them back, um, it's going to be Sean. And keep in mind, I mean, he, he pretty much had his pick. You know, from what I understand, he could have gone wherever he wanted. And he chose this because of, I'm sure, because of ownership, because of the roster and, and because of the opportunity to work with Russell. I'm, I'm curious, this, he had his opening press conference today, Peyton did. And he was asked, one of the things he said was in his introduction, he was asked uh, about Russell Wilson. He said, one of the things is we're no longer, we're no, no longer going to have <laughs> personal coaches in the building like last season quote that's not going to happen here that's not going to take place here um did you have instances of this where you have rookies coming in trying to bring their own crew through this is unusual because of the veteran aspect at least for me and to me the broncos would have known this up front by trading for russell wilson maybe i'm wrong there having his no, own no, coaches clarify that. there who what do you mean his own coaches so, uh, is, he, is he is he suggesting that russell had his own coach in the building with somebody coaches. other than on the staff yes well, uh, so it, just i'll read it direct sean payton introduced with the, as the broncos new coach today one of the things he said was 
Russell Wilson will no longer be allowed to have his personal coaches in the building like last season. Quote, that's not going to take place here. Well, with all due respect to Nathaniel Hackett, um, you know, I played in college for Paul Hackett, and I know the family. And, and you know, I, have, I did a game for Fox down there, the Jets at Jacksonville, and spent some time with him and actually interviewed Nathaniel. But he wasn't ready to be a head coach. And, you know, and then I heard, you guys can verify this, four weeks into it, he goes out and he hires mm-hmm. a, a, a game management person. Yes. So that place was doomed to fail from the get-go. And if he let players bring in those kinds of assistants and, you know, own trainers and this and that, then, yeah, it's all out of control. And so, yeah, that, if that's what Sean's talking about, that's a no-brainer. I mean, everybody should know better than that. You had a chance to coach in, for two different franchises, the uh, Titans and the Rams. Frank Reich is now going to get that opportunity to be a head coach again, uh, first with the Colts, now with the Panthers. What do you think about that move for Carolina, the job Frank did uh, in Indy, and maybe some of the benefits of the second go-around and things you learn in between jobs when you take the next job? Well, I think um, he didn't get enough time uh, to to reflect and learn from it because – that's you know, true. I think I said this on the, on the last time we visited. Do you think the Colts with Frank Wright as a head coach would have given up a what it was a twenty-eight or thirty-two point lead to Minnesota no, the with no. with twelve Absolutely minutes left not. to go in the fourth quarter? I mean, no. and then and then he's on the streets. I mean, really? So I'm happy for Frank. I mean, Frank's done it before. Frank's been all over the place. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, I just wish the owners would, would have a little bit more patience. And, uh, I, you know, that's a great situation for him down there. I mean, they'll get a young quarterback in there and, you know, he'll turn that thing around real quick. They've, they've got good defensive players. And, you know, Frank understands the importance of surrounding yourself with a good staff. And he had largely had a good staff up in Indy, you know, when he was escorted out the door. So and that brings in brings up Indy for that matter. I don't, yeah. I've not heard anything. I don't know what they're doing up there. I'm, What's the you know, longest interview you sat in? Um, you know, just as head coaches interview any time in your career, what was the longest interview you had to sit through? Oh gosh, maybe. Um, I mean, I sat, I interviewed with Floyd Reese for like three weeks. So (laughs) off and on, I mean, I was interim, but you know, we just hung out every day and talked about it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it was going to work. But so the reports are like they're having a third round of interviews in Indy and some are, some of them are lasting. The third round are lasting up to 12 hours plus with Ursa. Um, I don't know. I mean, I... That's unusual. It's highly unusual. <laughs> I mean, you... Yeah, it is. I mean, especially if you're being asked back for a second and a third yeah. one. But, but, you know, you, one can... Somebody's in his ear. You know, he's got somebody that's helping him. Someone's in his ear, and they're going to do it this way. Don't be, don't be surprised if there's some kind of... Um, I would say some kind of search firm involved that is working behind the scenes that nobody really wants anything you know, out as far as that's concerned. I could see that. I mean, there have been other NFL teams that have hired search firms and not officially search firms, but they've had a group of people surrounding the owner that, you know, all have their opinions and they're going to kind of push things. And, you know, because I know that was the case down in Jacksonville (laughs) before, you know, before they hired Doug. So the year before Doug. um, Oh, Urban Meyer. Yes. Urban Meyer, yeah. So So, Jeff Fisher in studio with us. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach in Houston back for the organization that he played for. And uh, look, he took over a very talented San Francisco defense, right? When, when Robert Sala became the head coach of the Jets. And 
credit to him. Young, up and coming, great leader. What's he entering in Houston that I think we're taking for granted with what he had in San Francisco? Well, I mean, you just state the obvious. The, the, it, there's a huge a difference in the ability level based on the, the defenses. And so, you know, this is what it comes down to. It comes down to ownership giving him the opportunity to build that team. A, a, a reasonable opportunity of four to five years and build that team and build it right. Um, he's going to have to work with a GM there and they're going to have to make the right decisions, but he's got to be given that opportunity. You can't expect him, um, you know, that's coordinated for a re- with a really good group of defensive players to, to have the same outcome uh, mm. next year. It's going to take him a while. In addition to, it's going to take him years to figure out how to be a head coach. It's going to take him time to, to learn how to manage games and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, there's a big difference between coordinating a defense and, uh, and running an organization. And, and that's where I think, you know, two things happen. Guys aren't, guys aren't equipped to do it or they're not, as they're learning, they're not giving the time, given the time to figure out how to do it. And so, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there that can coach good players. And, um, you know, it, what, what, what's the, the telltale sign is w- how can you build a team and build it as quickly as you can with, the, uh, with the, this number one goal being uh, to sustain. You have to be able to sustain year in and year out. What, what did you make of the whole magic show in New England this year where we didn't know who was the coordinator of the offense, the defense, and who was calling plays on either side, and there's a lot of mystery surrounding it? But now they get to bring back Bill O'Brien to be offensive coordinator and that long history between him and Bill Belichick. How much of a help is that going to be for that team? Well, I think it's going to be a settling factor for Bill. Um, I mean, for both. I mean, Bill O'Brien is obviously very good at what he does. He, he Because he was such a good coordinator, he got an opportunity to become a head coach. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, obviously what he did for Nick down in Alabama is really impressive. So, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for – for Bill uh, Belichick too, because he's got his guys back. And if Matt ends up going over and helping his son on the defensive side, and you got O'Brien there, and you got an up-and-coming quarterback, you got a uh, a contender all over again. Do you ever move uh, defensive coaches to offense like that? Uh, no, not that not, doesn't, that doesn't not over help. an off season. Yeah. Well, the, but there's a there's also that thing that's that stigma. You know, well, this guy's a defensive guy, okay? So I was always referred to as a defensive-minded head coach. But also, what did I do for all those years as a defensive coordinator and all that stuff? What do you do? You defend offenses. So you can make a case that we know about as much, if not more, than offensive coordinators know about offense and what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to work. So, you know, the, you know, the Patriots got, what, within a game or two of making the playoffs again? Yeah. In, in a real competitive One division. Game. Yeah, with the staff doing things that – they weren't normally used to doing i say that's pretty impressive those are pretty impressive coaches on that staff you hear this so much and all these hires are being made but about different people um nick seriani is one of them other coaches that were around him would say i knew he was going to be a head coach one day i knew he had head coach potential in him is that something that's easy to see when you work around someone when you're a head coach and someone's working for you that you can clearly see okay, this guy's going to be a head coach one day. And did someone ever say that about you when you were working on a staff where they come back later and say, yeah, I knew you were going to be a head coach in the NFL? You know, you hear it from 
time and time again, but usually it's after you're well on your way. Uh, and people will say that. The one thing about Philly and what Nick, what Nick did um, was he took over a loaded team. He took over a very talented team. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it slipped and stumbled along the way under Doug, but it wasn't, it wasn't just uh, that team's roster wasn't devastated, it, you know, and so he was able to do that. And then you get the quarterback play and, and the experience and, and good coaches and a, and a division that's uh, highly competitive. And so he's much deserving of, of the credit there. But he did in a quick part, in a short time, take over and elevate a talented team, obviously the Super Bowl, and he should be, you know, commended and, and regarded as one of the top coaches in the, in, the, in the league right now. Their defense, man. 78 sacks, I believe, is what they're up to right now in the pass rush. Best pass defense. That's credit to their pass rush. Um, when you think of the Mahomes-Andy Reid offense, Jeff, what, what must they do other than just protect the quarterback? What do they have to do to beat Philly on Sunday? Well, I mean, you know, you're going to have to run the football. You're going to have to do, you know. Which they're not known for. And they're not known for, they're not known for that, but that's one way to shut down the rush. And it doesn't mean you got to, like, pin your ears back and go right at them. You can run draws and you can, you know, do stuff like that just to slow them down. But they're going to have to they're going to have to get them out of what the defense does best, and that's rush the pass or, and play pass defense. They've been – now, keep this in mind also, those statistics are there because – this offense has scored a lot of points over the over the year, and they're you know they're you know they're playing you know with a lead, and and teams are playing catch up, and they're just I mean no, there's no there's no more fun on defense than to than to get out there and protect the lead and rush the passer when you absolutely have you when you don't have to read run or pass when you can just roll off and go, and that's what they've done. So Andy Andy will figure it out. He's done it. He does it ever you know seems to do it every year. It looks like you know. Patrick's going to be all right, and you know it's, it's going to be a great ball game. I hope for 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 all of our sake that it's not a six to three game. I hope it's one of those. You know, it doesn't feel like it's going to be, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, you know, it's hard, especially with the two weeks and anything can happen. Jeff Fisher in studio with us. Uh, Chad, you have watched the thirty for thirty, right? Yeah, that uh, was bullies of Baltimore, and yeah. um, there's a lot, a lot of uh, Jeff Fisher led Titans uh, content in, in this documentary. But really, it just took me back to an era, coach, of just, uh, I mean, the game was different then. And we're talking about the year 2000, but some of the hits on the quarterbacks and the physicality it was played with, uh, the fact that the Ravens were holding teams to 79 yards of total offense (laughs) for an entire game, it was just a a different era. That's what jumped to my mind when watches. I I think you're going to enjoy it when you get a chance to see it, but... uh, it really brought me back to an era that you're very familiar with in the NFL. Well, it was, um, you know, it was a great few years, you know, the 99 season and then the 2000, our 2000 season. Oh, one, we kind of stumbled with injuries and things, but we bounced back, you know, in, in 02 with a championship game loss and then 03 with a loss to New England in the divisional playoffs. So, you know, we were winning a lot of games at that point. Um, you guys did on break bring up the fact that um, Coach Billick was boasting a little bit about the fact that they awarded us our first loss in mm-hmm. franchise history in the new state. Right. So, yes. and they actually, I think it was 
the first two losses came to them because we had a uh, this regular season loss and then we had the playoff loss. So, you know, if we lost two games over two years, including playoff games at home, that's a pretty good run. But they always have bragging rights because they got the ring uh, in the 2000 season and we didn't. But um, it was uh, it was always a great matchup. You know, Ray and Eddie and the McAllister and the receivers and uh, whoever's playing quarterback for them. And who was the quarterback in 2000 for them? It, uh, it started with Tony Banks, yeah, and then went to Trent Dilfer. Okay, Trent Dilfer. He Trent was uh, Trent used to work here in Nashville, didn't he? This, he did. This fall? Yes. Yeah. yeah. UAB. Trent's a good man. Um, he's going to be a successful coach. That was um, that was a. A great matchup um, that year, especially 2000. You know, we went in, you know, we went in with the best record, uh, had a week off and, you know, blocked two punts in the game. And it's just sometimes things don't work out for you. And I don't think Trent had a, a first down in the second half and they won the game. And then they go ahead and beat the Giants in the Super Bowl, who we handled pretty easily early in the season as well. But uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. It'll bring back some memories. Those are great matchups. And, you know, I, you, know you, you start talking about Baltimore and then you can't, you, you can't help but start thinking about the things, the great things, the great matchups we had with Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so my another takeaway with all this, and maybe I'm overlooking some things that are relevant now, but players, coaches, everyone gets along now in the league. There is no more hate. There's no more, you know, I'm not speaking to this guy or uh, I'm definitely not going up to this guy after the game. Everyone's swapping jerseys now after the game, win or lose. I don't get the sense that there was uh, love lost based on the way that the Ravens come across in this in this thirty for thirty about the Titans. Of you that know, era. it wasn't that. I mean, we were we weren't into that. You know, I mean, they wanted and they 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 had every right to 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 boast and you mm-hmm. know that was the, how they got fired up and ready to play. That's fine. That was Brian's mo. That was fine. I didn't never had anything personal against Brian. I mean. Uh, you know he's a good coach, and he's he's coaching a he's coaching a good football team that's hard to beat. But um, no, I would agree with you. I think people, there's a lot more. There's a lot. Not that there was disrespect. It just you didn't go out of your way to you know to love on your neighbor, you know, if you will. But I don't um, know what a thirty for thirty in twenty years. Looking back on this season, right? I don't know what you're going to talk trash about about the other team anymore. Yeah, I mean they'll. Trust me, there's uh, you can you can dream up a lot of stuff over 20 <laughs> years and fabricate a lot of stuff. So uh, who knows? It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, Chad, they bought every player in Philly. That's I mean, okay. I uh, well, uh, some of it sounds like exaggeration. I, I will say, like watching the first you know 30, 45 minutes of it, I'm thinking, is all of this true? Are we sure about that? It starts with this celebration of the team. So mm-hmm. they keep cutting back and forth. They had some amphitheater up in Baltimore where they brought back the key players and coaches from the team, and they're doing a Q&A in front of a bunch of fans. So that's a big part of it also. So there's a lot of storytelling um, that goes along with it. So bringing up the Ravens doesn't get Fisher fired up. What, what does is the NFL is rigged group uh, section that's out there. Jeff, your thoughts on the response from just the – the section of the public that wants to throw this out there. Now, we're going to have later, there, there have been some really funny responses where people have leaned into it, uh, joking, like tongue-in-cheek responses on the rigged nature of it. But with your officiating background on the NFL uh, officiating committee, the rules committee, and just knowing the overall uh, silence of the league when it comes to officiating, your, your reaction when you hear, oh, game was rigged, it's over, they wanted Kansas City to win that game. 
It's absolutely absurd. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, was that was that the Houston Texans former running back that said I was just yeah. vaguely, you know, was brought to my Arian, attention. But he's 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 joking. Arian about Foster said he's, he's joking. Yeah, he's joking around about it. He's oh, looking, that's fine if he jokes yeah, around. He's about following it. a script. He oh, says. Okay, well then, can, just let people know that you're joking around about it. Yeah. it. It's it's physically impossible. I mean, you got you what you do. You have that human element in officiating that that's there and i hope it never leaves you're seeing you're seeing signs of it leaving when you know when when official when a referee is is trying to make an announcement on a penalty enforcement and somebody's talking to him in his ear well that's coming from new york that bothers me a little bit but it's not there's not nothing coming down from from park avenue or new york or officiating on who's supposed to win this and who's not that's absolutely ridiculous now um, there, we've seen rules change because of things that have happened in in right. games where the, you know, I mean, it was uh, who was it? Was it Minnesota? It was Minnesota, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. So now they decide that oh, we're gonna we're gonna make pass interference reviewable, which and which was an absolute nightmare. That had no chance of, of being successful. But they they try to do things like that on a yearly basis. But you know, as far as uh, competitiveness absolutely not every single owner out there is extremely competitive if they weren't the the others would they would weed them out you know they all want to win so uh and then you know that with respect to you know new york and the fish aid department they're doing the best they can i per i personally don't think they get enough credit because of their jobs becoming so hard jeff fisher has been our guest you got something quick on the way out uh something we can talk about Okay. Uh, off air that I want to ask him about. Then we can take well, it on air. But well, fair I, enough. I want to get his answer off air to this uh, question. Fish, we're headed to uh, Arizona for the Super Bowl if you want to join us. Uh, Clay will will be with us tomorrow uh, as we head out to uh, – Clay's paying. Yeah. You guys driving? <laughs> uh, well, no. We'll not be driving. We will no. not be driving. Oh, okay. <laughs> we will be well, flying. He, he wants to drive so he can bring the dogs. There you go. Oh, okay. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me again. And, Look forward uh, to doing it soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he will be no stranger to OutKick and Fox and what we're doing with OutKick 360. Jeff Fisher has been our guest in studio. Uh, also, uh, speaking of working for Fox, Tom Brady does now officially. But when, he'll tell you next on Outkick 360. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Tom Brady, done with football. He's in the theater near you with 80 for Brady. And uh, he's on with uh, Colin Cowherd where he says he doesn't expect to join the Fox broadcast booth this year. And I think for me, I want to be great at what I do. And even, you know, talking even last week with the people at Fox Sports, you know, and, and the leadership there allowed me to start, you know, my Fox opportunity in, in the fall of 2024 is something that's great for me. So take some time to really learn, become great at what I want to do, become great at, you know, thinking about the opportunity and making sure I don't rush into anything. I think when people really bet on me, I think one thing about my career, whether I was when I was drafted by the Patriots or signing for Greens with the Bucks, I wanted to be, you know, fully committed. And I, I never wanted to let people down. I think my biggest motivator was that. So, you know, even in the future, I want to be great at what I do. And that always takes some time and strategizing and, and learning and growing and evolving. And I have so many people to rely on that. 
um, can support me in that growth too. So it's going to be a good, great opportunity for me to take some time to really uh, certainly become at my Fox broadcasting job, which I'm really looking forward to, but also catching up on other parts of my life that uh, need some need some time and energy. There's Tom Brady with Colin Cowherd earlier. Yeah, I think that's a smart move by Tom Brady to take that time and decide, you know, ultimately how he's going to start with Fox. And he's talking about how he wants to get better Mm -hmm. and to not let anyone down. I think all those things were smart. And just in general, I mean, the guy's been playing football his entire life for the most part. You know, to take a year to not jump right back into it after one offseason to calling games next year is just smart for him. I mean, he's got the money. He's got the opportunity to spend time with his kids and his family. Uh, He's got the opportunity to do some other things that interest him business-wise. Makes a lot of sense to take this year off and then start with Fox in 2024. Do you see where he he modeled like the the models of his Brady brand? I did see that. (laughs) Because he he made some bet that if he got to so many likes, he would like try to model the clothes the same way. Yeah, he's in a pair of uh, what looks like uh, tidy whities but they're maroon. Is what I saw. It's like the the underwear, but maroon. Yeah, I saw that. Look, the constantly guy, selling. The guy is going to be able to do whatever he wants, anything that he wants. So, if he's going to do this with Fox, might as well take a year to do what he wants, while also getting better as a broadcaster to know how he wants to come across, what he wants to do. So he's at tip top shape for his broadcasting game when he starts. It's just it's it's a different scenario. So everything is kind of uh, unprecedented when he signed that contract while playing. That prom- that promissory note, essentially to say, I'm going mm-hmm. to be the Fox lead broadcaster whenever I start. So all of it's new. Well, and it's great for uh, Burkhart and, and Olsen, who have done a tremendous job. They'll be on the call for the Super Bowl this year. Of course, CBS has it next year. And then the following season, I say next year, following the 2023 season, then the following season is when Brady is saying that he's focused on stepping in to begin the 10-year run. $37.5 million. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we know what Burkhart's going to be doing. The game's with Brady. But what mm-hmm. happens with Greg Olson when Tom Brady comes on board? And I don't know his contract a lot, situation. A lot can change, yeah. But um, you know, what, where he's going to end up going or just staying at Fox and doing different games. We have some of the best NFL is rigged, quote-unquote, script memes and jokes and tongue-in-cheek posts. That's all coming up in hour number three. But we'll kick off the hour with former Gators and Bulldogs head coach Dan Mullen, who joins us in about five minutes. Join us with Coach Mullen next on Outkick 360.